Amen. Colossians chapter number 4. Colossians chapter number 4. Amen. One of these days we'll get through this. Amen. It's downhill from here. Amen. A bunch of people. He's recognizing everything, but Colossians chapter number 4, verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer. Now Paul says over there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, pray without ceasing. And then uh, uh, I had another verse. I was, had two of them pop in my head one time lost the other one. Well, anyways, continue in prayer and pray without ceasing. Paul said to be instant in prayer. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter number 6. What's it mean to continue in prayer? I'm just not talking about praying 24 hours a day. He's talking about establishing a prayer life and never giving up, never quit praying. Right? That's what he's talking about. He understands that you're not going to pray 24 hours a day. You're just Nobody's going to do that. That's insanity. Now, I know people that claim that they can do that. They can pray in their spirit while they're holding a conversation with me. I, I said, okay, I don't know what drugs they've been taking, but uh, you understand? I, I understand daydreaming, okay? And I understand that I could be sitting there listening to a preacher and my mind wander off daydreaming. Well, they're not going to sit there and hold a conversation with somebody and deal with earthly things in life and be able to concentrate on the prayer life. That's just a fallacy. But you need to have a place set aside every day that you spend time and talk with God and you can talk to Him interviews throughout the day. I mean, if Miss Cindy had a, uh, say, Brother Dax got sick and he fell ill and he goes to the hospital, God forbid... And uh, Miss Cindy all through the day could be saying, Lord, touch Dax. Lord, touch my boy. God, help my son. And she could do that throughout the day, but it doesn't mean she's going to get down in front of her lazy boy and kneel in prayer 24 hours a day. But she can continue in prayer, and she cannot let up and not give up on God until he does it. Somebody's got, Brother Nick's got a lost dad. Brother Nick continually can keep going to God throughout the day, throughout every day uh, of his week and his month and his year and say, God, my daddy needs saved and I'm not going to give up on him. I'm not going to give up on you. And God, every time I got a thought that I can think that way, I'm going to pray because I'm not going to give up on my daddy. Uh, you didn't give up on me, God. I'm not going to give up my daddy. So I'm going to pray you save my daddy. God, I'm begging you to save my daddy. God, please. And he'll be working, deal with the customer, deal with the boss, do whatever he's got to do, go through McDonald's drive through and get down there, start driving back home. Lord, I please really, but Lord, I'm really burdened about my daddy. And you can, can, you can do that throughout the day. But uh, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't pray one time and then quit and then never come back. And uh, maybe God's going to check your temperature to see how important it is to you. But here's a place. And I remember a preacher saying something about this one time. And I, I thought it was unique. We've heard men praying all night long. We've heard of prayer meetings all night long. Men would have all night prayer meetings. And he says, in Luke chapter number 6, verse 12, And it came to pass in those days that he went up out into a mountain to pray. 
and continued all night in prayer to God. Isn't that a blessing? And the one preacher I heard say that is, uh, he said, Jesus only did that one time in his ministry. That's recorded in the scriptures. Now, this event's recorded somewhere else. We'll go to in a minute, but I just want to show you something. Some preachers think that true spirituality is that you got to almost spend every night in prayer, all night to prayer in God. Jacob wrestled one night that we know of with God all night. Jesus prayed all night, one night. There's nothing wrong with you getting under burden and losing sleep, amen, to pray to God all night for the needs and the things that concern you. I've done that several times. I needed a job one night, and I was down in Daytona Beach or in Orlando, and I was needing a job, and I couldn't get a job. And, and I humbled myself, and I said, I told God that night on Daytona Beach, I said, God, I don't want to go to McDonald's. I don't want to flip stinking hamburgers. But if you want me to flip hamburgers, I'll go flip hamburgers. And I left Daytona Beach with purpose in my heart that I was going to go flip hamburgers, and my pride, it was just killing me to think about going to McDonald's to flip hamburgers. I liked working hard. I was raising construction. I liked hanging around semis and loading freight. I liked something physical to stand there and go, psst, psst, just didn't flip my burger. You know what I mean? And I, I just didn't want to do that. And I prayed all night. I said, okay, God, I'll, I'll go do that. I'll, I'll go flip hamburgers. Monday morning after church, Sunday, I'll go flip hamburgers. I'll go to McDonald's and apply. And I got to church Sunday, and I'm walking up, and there's brethren there. And first guy I walk up to is a guy named Rich. And Rich goes, you want a job driving truck? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Amen. God gave me a job driving truck. And I hauled. I worked in a printing place and worked there till I went off to go to Bible school. And then God sent me into pastor in the church in Louisiana instead of Bible school. And uh, so I thank God for that. He answered my prayer. It was an all-night prayer meeting when I got a hold of God. I was praying all the way out there. I got out on the beach, and I began to worship the Lord out there on the beach, seeing the ocean, seeing the clouds, hearing the waves, seeing the sand, seeing everything out there, and I just just got lost in the immensity of God, how He could create the moon and the stars and the clouds and, and that beach and them waves just coming and all the fish in the sea and all the sand on the seashore, and I just got to worshiping Him. And I humbled myself out there on the beach and said, God, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever. And I drove back rejoicing, bought a cup of coffee and rejoiced all the way back in, got ready for church. And it was a great night. It was a wonderful night. It's a night that's left an impression on me. And uh, listen, there's times you need to do that. There's times that I've prayed and, and uh, gone all night and God's done wonderful things. And there's other times I've gone and wondered why I even lost sleep. <laughs> But uh, listen, there, there's a time, there's a need for it. Jack Howes was praying. He was praying about resigning his church. And he got down on his face before God and he said, God, I just wrote out a resignation. He said, if you don't do something between now and the morning, I have no choice but to read this resignation before the people. I will resign this church if you don't do something. And he began to pray from 12 to 1 and 1 to 2 and 2 to 3. He got a knock on the door. And uh, it was his deacon, S.O. Barnett. He said he had two hairs and both of them was messed up. <laughs> that cracks me up when he says that. And he said, S.O., he said, something's wrong. He said, what is it, preacher? He goes, what do you mean? He said, God won't let me sleep. He said, something wrong with the preacher. Get down to the church house. And uh, he said, S.O., he said, I have no choice but to read this letter. Son, tomorrow morning, unless God does something for me. And he read that and he started crying. He says, you leaving us, preacher? You want us to God. You've done all this. What are you leaving us for, preacher? And he says, that's so. He said, I'm missing something. I need something. I, I just need God to do something for me. 
He said, let's pray. And they got on their face and prayed from 3 to 4 and 4 to 5 and 5 to 6. And somewhere along about the daylight, crack of daylight, God gave an answer in his soul. And he said, that's so? He said, I think I got it. He goes, what? He said, I don't know, but I think God gave me an answer. He goes, you're not leaving this preacher? He said, no, I'm not leaving you. And he said, they just danced all around the office and shouting, having a good time. And God went on to bless his ministry. And uh, a bunch of people were saved, lives changed and things like that. And he said, oh, I wish you preachers knew the sun come up gradually. <laughs> he said, amen. And he talks about getting the power of God. And he talks about getting alone with God. Uh, those kind of messages inspire me and encourage me. And challenged me some nights to lose sleep. Some nights to be able to stay up and just stay after God till He answers. And I'm telling you, sometimes the flesh it just gets weary and it can't take it. But you know what? We've got to stay after it. We've got to keep attempting it. There are times I've tried to pray all night and I fell asleep in my prayer. Because I got to where I paused and I was just meditating. Next thing you know, I'm gone. I feel like dirt when I wake up two hours later and it's like God showed up and I missed Him. But you know what? I think God was encouraged by somebody at least attempting to try to talk to him and spend time with him. Amen? You know what that is? That's a sacrifice. Uh, some people can fast food. Some people can fast sleep. Some people can fast uh, uh, other things in their life. To, to put things aside. To put the life and the world on hold because there's something important you want to get a hold of God in. He told a husband and wife to abstain from their fleshly experience together except for fasting and praying the Satan not uh, tempting for the incontinency listen I know some people say the only Bible fast is uh, food and water or without food and without water it's an absolute fast I understand everybody's theories on fasting but I know one thing if something's got a hold of you you need to fast it if football's got a hold of you fast it if golf's got a hold of you fast it if fishing's got a hold of you and work's got a hold of you fast it if getting on the, the website listen I know the Catholics have Lent and I understand why they have Lent. And they give up something for Lent, thinking they're getting closer to God. But every Christian needs to give up everything, period, in their life sooner or later to where they just separate themselves from God and say, no TV this week, God. I'm getting a hold of you. I'm going to spend time and pray. Our church needs you. I need you. My children need you. And God, I'm just letting the world go so I can get a hold of you. Nothing wrong with separating yourself. But then you need whatever you work, get worked in that prayer meeting with you and God. You need to continue in prayer and not let God go on those things that you're seeking after. Listen, you think this one-time prayer, my kid on the altar, amen, God, I ask you to bless my children. Listen, <laughs> I think I need to pray for my children all the time. I need to pray for my children as much as I can, right? It's not just a one-time prayer. I believe I need to pray for them to grow and have wisdom and choose their friends and the things that God does. Listen, that God and God didn't protect and watch over them. I think the same thing for you people. I think people here, I think I need to lift you up and pray that God help you in your decisions and, and in your life and for protection and guidance and, and uh, in your family and save your lost loved ones and that. How often do you pray about that? Well, you got to pray daily. I think we need to continue praying for each other. Jesus went up in a mountain and Jesus went into serious prayer. Notice what happens in verse 13. And when it was day, he called unto him who? His disciples. And of them, he chose 12. So there's more than 12 disciples. But he chose 12 whom he also named what? Apostles. Apostles. You understand? So he was, he was wrestling with God about who he's going to choose for the ministry. Who's going to be the 12 apostles? Who's going to be an apostle to represent each tribe for Israel that I will invest three years of my life into these men and train them 
So when the church does start, they can go on and serve and represent me. Right? He had a serious time to pray here. Let's go to Mark. Mark chapter number 3. Jesus went up all night into prayer about men that he would appoint to the ministry. That was serious. So what I'm saying is maybe you might not spend all night in prayer, but there may become a time when you got a serious decision you got to make and you need a lot of wisdom and you need you need to spend some time talking with God because you're going to make a big a big one. Like who are we going to have for pastor? Who we're not going to have for pastor? Who are we going to have for an associate? Who we're not going to have for an associate? Who are we going to choose as deacons? Listen, I think all that kind of stuff requires great prayer. Some people just skim over it. Oh, I like Bob. He, you know, he'd be the great guy. He's a good businessman. And a lot of churches are in trouble over that. They don't spend a lot of prayer and that kind of stuff. Mark chapter number 3. Amen. Verse 13. And he goes up into a mountain and calls unto him who he would. And they came unto him. And he, and he ordained twelve that, he sh that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. And Simon, his surname, Peter, and he goes down to 12 that he called. But the first thing he did after he got done praying over there is he got 12 men set aside for himself before he ever put them in the ministry. He said, there's 12 men I want to spend time with that they should be with me. <laughs> well, you talk about a blessing. Amen. Before he even put a, a commission on them to be apostles and charge them and fill them, he said, I want 12 men to be with me. Boy, what, what a calling. You know what? That's real what prayer is all about. Is that God wants you to spend time with Him and develop a relationship between you and Him. It's more about you and God than it is who you're talking about. Amen. Listen, God wanted those men to go forth and represent Him. But he wanted to develop a relationship with those 12 men that they should be with me. Well, that's a pretty serious thing. Yep. Amen. Listen, Jesus Christ spent a lot of time in prayer about his relationships with the people he ministered to and ordained. Maybe we ought to spend some time about with God, extra time in prayer about our relationships. Oh, oh man. Woo. You know what Paul did? He continued in prayer. Let's go to Colossians chapter number 4 again. Paul, Paul uh, got some things here that he says about prayer, and we'll just use this as a launching pad. Uh, Jesus spent all night in prayer when he was calling his men about men that he would put in ministry. He, there were some things that really required extra prayer and extra attention, and it was about his ministerial duties that he was going to impart to men. I think it's very important. I know of a church right now, they're calling for a preacher. They're going to vote Sunday after one visit. And I know the men have been doing a bunch of stuff, and I talked to those guys today about it, and I go, man, I don't know if I just do one visit. They said, well, we've been listening to sermons, and we listen to tapes, and we've been talking to people and doing all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but you bring a man out from 2,500 miles, and you hear him preach one day. He's going to be the next guy that's going to run your church. I don't know. I just, uh, I think I'd give him another shot or two. You know, you know what I mean? I understand stepping out by faith, but I, I just, I don't know. I just, that's a serious thing. I personally wouldn't want a church just to vote on me off of one time I preached. 
That's me accepting the church. I'd sit back and say, wait a minute. <laughs> Before I say yes on you guys, I'm coming out and I, I want to preach a meeting. If you can't take eight days of me straight, you ain't going to take years of me straight. And I want to see what you're made of. And I want to see what kind of people's going to sit in that pew. You understand? I want to see who's going to be there Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday again. I want to see the people that's laying out throughout the week, and I want to see the people that's going to be faithful and show up every service. Because I want to see who the core is, who I'm going to be preaching to. Because I can't depend on that Sunday morning only crowd, and that Sunday morning only crowd is going to vote me in or vote me out, and I ain't going to put up with that. You understand? Amen. There's a bunch of people show up for a fish fry uh, to vote the preacher out, but their name's on a roll. See, I don't play that way. You say, what? They don't want to show up here for a month's time, three months' time? They're not on a roll. You understand? They ain't going to come back and vote me out if they're three years later and say, oh, yeah, let's vote out the preacher. And they all show up on one Sunday and vote me out. <laughs> that ain't happening. They don't want to attend here. There's going to be at least two visits by the pastor to them saying, why are you missing? What did you quit for? What did you give up for? If I offended you, if I done something wrong. You understand what I'm saying? To be able to deal with it, the attempts to make reconciliation, if they don't want to be reconciled, their name's not going to stay on a church roll. I said, then you want to go? Go. Done. Amen. That means you're no longer a member. Amen. I know churches right now that they got membership of hundreds and hundreds of people and they only got 20, 30, 40 people showing up. But then when it comes to grill the preacher and fry the preacher, man, we're going to have a homecoming day. Guess what? 400 people show up. We're going to take a vote. Let's get rid of this rascal. Yeah, I was against it. That's what I left three years ago. They make their vote. There goes the preacher. So we ain't going to have that. Amen. If they, if they vote me out with their attendance and don't want to show up, then go on somewhere else, you just no longer member. You understand what I'm saying? But there's people that live on that membership. Well, I'm a member of Highway Baptist Church. Yeah, but when's the last time you went there? Listen, I've heard people say that. Well, I'm a member over there at Cornerstone. What's the preacher's name? I, you know, I forget. You know, right off the top of my head, I can't get the preacher's name. Yeah, okay. I, I think I got you figured out. You're a buzzard, right? I don't understand what kind of bird you are. Amen. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So if you're going to pastor, if you're going to take over a church, there better be some serious prayer in taking over a church. And if you're candidating a church, there ought to be some serious prayer over it. And if you're inviting in a preacher to pastor, there ought to be some serious prayer over this thing. Yeah. And just to get to know each other on one date and say, let's go with it, pedal to the metal, baby. Whoa. <laughs> you better be careful about that. I'm just saying, things like that require some serious fasting and praying. Not just, well, I liked him. Do you like him? Oh, yeah, he. I laughed. <laughs> My ribs hurt when he got done. Yeah, we need a comedian for a preacher. <laughs> I don't know if that's that, that kind of guy. You understand what I'm saying? But people try to size up preachers and all that based on how he performed, how he entertained. You, you better, you might not be getting what you think you're getting. Because there's a bunch of people that know how to wear masks. And they know how to put on a dog. And you can get some super hyped up salesmen. And the church I'm talking about, they got hundreds of people over there with a lot of property. And then I got to thinking about, what about the sheep that he's got out there in California? wonder how they feel about them leaving them. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of preachers don't think about the church they're leaving. All they see is a greener pasture on the other side. And I'm thinking, what about them few sheep left in the wilderness? 
Huh. It was the will of God to get that. All of a sudden now it's the will of God to step up. I wonder how many preachers ever left a church of 300 to go pastor 50 and sit back and say, this is where I want to go. I'm going to step down and take less. I wonder how many preachers want to do that. <laughs> a spiritual demotion. Amen. I'm just trying to tell you, the decisions you make about a pastor, the decisions you make as a pastor, the decisions you make in your family, your mates, and everything else must be bathed in prayer. I'll give you this thought I had today. You ready? You get what you pray for. You ever heard the saying, you get what you pay for? You get what you pray for. Amen. Here's a bunch of people to pray in mates. I prayed for her. I prayed for him. They pray him in. They tell God their wish list. They think they got their wish list. And and then they go out and they put out a big party and they put out paperwork everywhere and everybody come to the commencement. And they stand up in front of a bunch of people and make a vow before God and before the preacher and before the family and before a bunch of other people. And they say, I vow for rich or poor, sickness and health. Amen. Thicker and thinner. You name it, I'm in. Then they find out they, they got what they prayed for. But they find out they really probably didn't really pray for what they thought they were praying for. And all of a sudden now they want to bail out. You know how many people bail out on their vows right now? I think they say uh, three-fourths of the marriages today, saved or lost, end up in divorce. Wow. Yeah, they got what they prayed for, right? How many? They say 75% of people end up in divorce. You know what I found out today, just to throw this off to the side? A guy, I walked in today, he heard this statement the other day, 110 million people in America have an STD. You know what that means? One out of three people in America have a sexually transmitted disease because they're all promiscuous out there living in sin and fornicating and committing adultery and things like that. There's very few people that's not perverting their relationships. You talk about a high number, man. You talk about marriages exploding. You talk, Listen, we're talking about the ones that are exploding. We're not talking about the ones that's just shacking up that don't even attempt to get married. They say, why get married? Let's get two checks, man. Woo! You understand? And we're talking Christians' marriages failing. They just quit. We're not working it out. We will not work at it. We will not pray about it. We will not get this thing solved. It's happening everywhere. You understand what I'm saying? Continue in prayer. We make vows. You got what you prayed for. I wonder how much we really pray about the circumstances. I wonder how many nights we lay out and pray all night, begging God to change me so I can be right for my home. Amen. Continue in prayer. Paul says this in Colossians chapter number 4, verse 3. With all praying, also for us. Paul said, listen, we want you to pray. And we want you to pray just about everything. Would you remember to pray for us? Would you, would you really, when you put some time in there today, would you just mention me in prayer? Would you just talk about me? Uh, I need your prayers that God would bless the ministry. Would you pray? I mean, really lift me up. Look at what he says. With all praying for us, that God would open unto us a door, what? Of utterance. 
Paul said, I need you to pray that God would open a door for me to open my mouth to be able to speak. In other words, I, got, I, I need an open door from God that I would have the power and ability to say what's needed to be said. That I won't be a politician. Amen. That I won't just be speaking uh, from selfish interest, but that I would speak what? The mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ. What's the mystery of Christ? Huh? Christ is a mystery. Himself. His virgin birth is a mystery. Right? His God manifesting in the flesh is a mystery. Him indwelling in our hearts a mystery. You understand? Listen, there's so many of his mysteries wrapped up into this one. The whole mystery of Christ. I need the power of God and the touch of God and the ability that God would open a door that I could open my mouth and speak the mystery of Christ. Paul said, you know, yeah, I'm called to preach, but I need your prayers that God would open his door. Amen. For which also I am what? What's he say? In bonds. He said, guess what? Amen. What I'm preaching, put me in jail. Put me in chains. He ends up the book, remember my bonds. He's in jail. He's chained. He's shackled. In Acts chapter number 16, he's in stocks. He's been whipped. He's chained up. He dies in prison. He writes four books, five books from prison. These are called the prison epistles. He writes 2 Timothy from prison. Listen, he, he's in bonds. He said, I, listen, i got to open my mouth. Help me. To be able to pray. Please pray for me that I can get the door open. Yeah. Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. He said, I want to speak the mystery of Christ. Ephesians chapter number 6, he says in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God to be able to stand it against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on you the whole armor of God, which, amen, it's not the full armor of God, it's the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. Amen. That you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you should be able to quench all the fiery darts of who? The wicked. The wicked. And to take the hammer of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And most people stop with the whole armor of God right there. What good is the whole armor of God going to do if you can't get God involved in it? Praying always with all prayer and supplication. Where? In the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that an utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of what? The gospel. Isn't that something? He is praying similar over there in Colossians. He's saying over here to Ephesians that he needs a door of utterance open for Christ, the mystery of Christ. And then he says the mystery of the gospel of Christ, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
For it is the power of God unto salvation, everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. And he said, I need a door of utterance. I need God to open that door that I can speak what I need to speak and say what I need to say. Listen, church, I need God's prayers in my life that I can open up my mouth and say what needs to be said. Right? Verse 20, for which I am what? An ambassador in bonds. There he is. He's in chains again. He's an ambassador. He's representing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Amen? God's heavenly kingdom is what he's an ambassador for. Right? right. He's God's man. Going from a foreign country to, to, a, to going to a foreign country representing heaven. Saying, hey, <laughs> I want to show you God and God Almighty and Jesus Christ and his good news of the gospel. He's representing God. He's in God's stead, going to a forward, hostile world, begging God. The doors are closed. The people's ears are shut. Their minds are closed. He said, God, I need an open door. People's ears need to be opened. Their eyes need to be opened. They're blind. Their hearts need to be opened. Lydia's heart was open. Lydia over there in Acts 16, whose heart the Lord opened. We need God to open their understanding. We need their eyes of their understanding enlightened. Jesus Christ, Luke 24, opened their understanding. And 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 over there, they're, they're, they're spiritually discerned. And 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, I think it's verse 14, he said, when it, the heart, turns, the veil's taken away, they're spiritually blind. Chapter 4, verse 4, of 2 Corinthians over there, it said, whom the God of this world is blind in the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in unto them. Their minds are blinded. We need God to give us open doors and opportunities to be able to speak the gospel. Amen. It takes prayer. Right? Yeah. What kind of prayers does it take? Persevering prayer in verse 18. Perseverance. Persevere. That means when you don't feel like praying, you push through it. You work through it. You wrestle. You pray. You labor. You say, oh, God, they need you. Oh, God, and work through it. Yeah. Ain't much people that work through it. I don't know who Michael Raglan quotes. I don't know. He quotes many prayer warriors. He's really a, an apostle of prayer himself. And Brother Raglan, when he talks about prayer, maybe it was George Mueller he's talking about that said that the hardest part about his prayers is praying through his unbelief. He said he gets down and he's got to pray through his unbelief. The hardest part is getting us in a position to where we can get connected with heaven, to where we can drift far enough away from the shores of earth that we can get plugged into glory on the other side. Most people, when it comes time to pray, and they spend time to pray, and they finally get into his presence. They say, well, I've got to go, Lord. Game's on. <laughs> Right? The whole goal is to get his ear, get in the audience with God. And by the time they get an audience, time's up. Got to go. Old timers used to call it praying through. Miss Susie probably heard that growing up time when she was a kid. Man, I prayed through the other night. Prayed through, prayed through, prayed through. Listen, Jack Howell said it. Baptists don't call it nothing because they don't do any of it. <laughs> Listen, old time praying through, getting a whole wrestle with God. God, we need you. Ask any of those missionaries. We need your prayers more than we need your money. 
We need God to open up doors, open minds, open hearts, open ears. Listen, we need opportunities to be able to speak the truth that God would give us the opportunity. Yep. Brother Bob Wells running the Bethesda girls' home was in his pulpit, getting ready to mount his pulpit and police and National Guard and all kinds of different people came in and shut the girls' home down. That was back around 85, 86 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi and they shut them down, wouldn't let him preach in his pulpit. Amen. Wound up sending some of them girls home and, and wound up, I can't remember if they arrested him or not, but they closed that home down about the preaching of Jesus Christ. And they really made a mess down there and there's a rally and cry at Central Baptist Church down in Pet uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And I think C.R. Williams was a pastor there. They brought in Jerry Falwell and a couple other preachers. And uh, they brought in Jerry Falwell because he was part of the moral majority or something like that at the time and trying to speak about the Christian liberties that we have and how the government came in and shut down a preacher in a church and a bunch of Baptist preachers all showed up to rally around that thing. That's a bad deal. But Bob Wells, I was under him in a boy's home in Tennessee. And Bob Wells got to wind up going before the Senate and the Congress. And he got to take the girls with him. And he stood before there, 400 or how many different representatives that he got to stand before. And they wanted to know what he did at that home. And he said, I'll tell you what I do at that home. I tell these girls that they're lost and they're undone without Jesus Christ just like you. If you're not saved here today, you're lost, you're undone, you're heading to a devil's hell, you will burn in hell for your sins unless you put your faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and he got to tell that to all the congressmen and senators or whoever, whichever house he spoke to, if not both houses, he got to give the gospel. Amen. Brother Bill Bob Wills was praying for the will of God, the power of God, and they shut down his girl's home. But he got to go to the heads and representatives of every county in this country and speak to all our representatives we sent over there. Well, you talk about an open, effectual door. Yeah, they shut his church down. He's no longer there. They shut the girl's home down. As far as I know, Bethesda's still shut down. But you know what? He got to speak to the leaders. Well, you talk about an open door. Man, what a mighty open door. You know what? Bob Wells walked in. They picked on the wrong dude to come in there. <laughs> oh, Bob's tough old Bert. And his wife Betty. And then they opened up a girl's home in Missouri, didn't they? Because that's where Rebecca went to. I tell you what, they shut him down in Mississippi and he tried to go do something in Missouri. Had a home in Tennessee. Roloff had a bunch of homes. They kept trying to shut him down. What? Trying to salvage young people. Trying to salvage young people. Man. You know what we need to pray? We need to pray for an open door. Verse 20. For which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. What a blessing. Listen, old time, continual prayer. God, open the door. God, give him liberty. God, make a way. God, present opportunities. May our preacher walk through him. May we walk through him. May our men find sinners. God, open the door. Help them find somebody that's in need. God, that's ready to hear. Help somebody. Help them to find and give the gospel to those that need it. Those that are closest to hell. God, please open our eyes. Help us find the ones you're looking for. The ones you're dealing with. Yeah. can't do it by myself. These preachers and missionaries can't do it by themselves. Dave Lovely gave an illustration years ago I never forgot. He said if we just give money to a missionary and we don't pray, it's like dropping a bucket down in a well 
and trying to pull a bucket up full of water with one arm. Money, prayers. Money, prayers. Money, prayers. We don't pray for them. You ever try to pick up a, a full bucket of water? <laughs> you carry one up with both hands and try to pull that up far enough to where you can slide your hand down there. <laughs> you understand? You need, you need help to get that bucket up. Amen? And that, those preacher, us preachers need it. Aaron and her had to hold up Moses' hands. And when Moses held his hands up with that staff, the Israelites won. But when his arms got weak and heavy and they went down, the Malachites were winning. So Aaron and her noticed that. They propped Moses up, put a rock under him, and one guy on one arm, one guy on the other, and they held his arms up. And as long as they held his arms up, Israel prevailed and they won the battle. Amen. Preachers need somebody to hold their arms up. Yep. Paul's saying, I need somebody to hold my arms up. Preachers all over saying, I need somebody to hold my arms up. Husbands need to hold their wives' arms up. Wives need to hold their husbands' arms up. Amen. Children need to hold their parents' arms up. Amen. They, they would make the right decisions. They would have power and a touch with God that they might be able to lead them successfully according to the Word of God. There's a failure tonight in the church around the world. It's this failure right here to pray for open doors. The doors are shutting. February or September 28th and 29th, the UN meeting with the Pope and and uh, all this stuff that went on at the UN, the 70th anniversary. They wound up signing some legislation in to start the new world order. And the things that they started, you can look at it and read it. It's called Strong Cities. There's 25 cities they're starting with right now. Three in America, I think, Minneapolis and Atlanta and somewhere else. And they're starting with these cities mainly in Europe. That they're going to start with these cities, and the gist of it is, you can't say nothing against the migrants, and you can't say a word against Islam. They're talking about making a political UN police force and task force to face domestic terrorism. You know what a domestic terrorist is? Somebody that doesn't vote with Barack Obama. You know what a domestic terrorist is? It's somebody that says Islam is of the devil, amen, and Jesus Christ is God. Amen. And somebody talks about these migrants coming over here and these refugees. I heard over there in Germany, wherever these migrants went, a bunch of these migrants got together and they grabbed a bunch of sticks and things like that and they're over there being defiant to their new found homeland. You know what they're doing? It's a Muslim caliphate. They're flooding all nations with these people to take it over for Allah. You know who Allah is? 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. Allah means the God. The God of this world. Amen. Is Satan. The God of Islam is Satan. Alright, now I can be prosecuted by an international court Amen. That's been signed into power that Obama gave away the sovereignty of the United States to an international court and they can bring me before a council because now I've broken UN treaties. What kind of wimpy, pathetic God does these Muslims have that they got to go to governments to protect them from somebody saying something against their religion? What a bunch of pathetic sissies. Got to rally out in the street and shoot guns. You said something against Allah. Ah, oh, phooey. 
Quit sucking your thumb, you babies. Take the diaper off your head. Amen. Listen, you don't see no Christians rallying in the streets, complaining to the government, asking the government to back them up. We got a God in heaven we cry out to and say, Oh God, you've seen the injustice. You've seen the wrong God. We're asking you to take care of your child. We're not going to Obama for nothing. We're not going to the UN for nothing. We're not going to some Baptist theologians, uh, some conference somewhere to bail us out. We're standing on our own two feet, trusting in the living God. Them infidels can't do that. In America, God did shed a grace on you. That's why we got green grass and we can grow vegetables over here. <laughs> Amen. They got gravel. Boy, ain't all really good giving them sand and gravel. Amen. What a rock quarry God. Amen. What a blessing. Hello. Amen. The God of the Bible. He'll take care of me. Even if they do kill me. Even if they do chop my head off. I'll be rid of them. Amen. But I can tell you one thing. Seven billion people in the world, over four billion of them is fixing to die within the next ten years. You said you believe that? If the rapture happens soon, I'm telling you what, by the time that, that book of Revelation is over with, almost five billion people lose their life under the Antichrist reign and by God raining down His judgments. Amen. Yeah. Boy, you talk about a wipeout. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they go ahead and serve their satanic God in the flesh on earth. Amen. He's going to turn on them. He's going to kill them. A bunch of them's going to wind up in the flames of hell and wish to God they didn't hurt a Christian, didn't kill a Christian, didn't mock Jesus. Amen. Amen. You might want to mark this what time it is. But I'll tell you something right now, Mr. Muslim. I'll tell you what that King James Bible says you're going to do. Every one of you, 1.2 billion of you Muslims, I can tell you prophetically, according to that King James Bible, what you're going to do. Yep. Every one of you. Yeah. Bible said in Philippians chapter number yep. 2, verse 9 to 11, that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow to things in heaven, to things in earth, to things under the earth, yeah. and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. One day you Muslims will get on your knees. You'll look God Almighty in the face. You'll have to admit that His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is Lord. Yeah. Amen. Until God gets glory out of it. And when He gets glory out of it, He'll say, Bind the man in foot and cast him out in the outer darkness. Please. Jesus Christ is the Lord. Amen. And you're going to face Him. And you'll have to admit that before God. Yeah. And His name ain't Allah. It's Jehovah. Amen. And Jesus means Jehovah saves. Yes, amen. Now, you got one or two choices, bud. You want to know what that choice is? You can do it this side of the grave, or you can do it the other side. Yep. If you do it to this side, you can have eternal life and rule and reign and live with Jesus Christ, and God will bless you. Amen. amen. But if you wait till after you're dead, you'll wake up in hell. Then you'll face God in judgment, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord until God gets the glory out of what you said. Then He'll cast you off into a lake of fire, and you'll weep and you'll wail and you'll gnash your teeth forever. Yep, that's right. Because you were afraid of peer pressure and wouldn't take a stand. He loves you. He loves you so much He died for you. He shed His precious blood for you that you might live forever. Amen. You better get on your knees and humble yourself. Yep. Bow both of them. 
cry out to him. Say, God, I have sinned. I have done wrong. And I need the shed blood of Jesus to wash away my sin that I may be filled with the peace of God. If you'll do that, you can be saved. If you reject him and die without him, you'll split hell wide open. Right. Amen. Paul said, pray for an open door. Listen, they're shutting the lights off in America. They're fixing to turn this. Listen, that's fix, this book's fixing to be illegal. Our Christianity's fixing to be done with. Why? Because too many people on Facebook. Too many people ain't got time to pray. They got their nose into somebody else's book instead of God's book. They don't really pray and beg God for open doors anymore. God bless my lottery ticket. Please help me. Oh, God, I need, I need more. I need more. I'm greedy. I'm covetous. God, I need more. God, let Santa come and give me something from Rudolph. Oh, God, help me. Bless the Easter money. May my chocolate be bigger and more than ever worth. May I get jelly beans. But they ain't praying for the power of God to deliver the gospel. They're running from it. They don't want the gospel to go around the world. They, man, they want their gymnasiums and they want their pizza parties. Yeah. They ain't burdened about the gospel. Paul said, I need somebody to pray that God would open up a door. Paul was willing to be executed for the truth. He was in bonds. Philippians chapter 1. Why? For the furtherance of the gospel. That's what Paul's heartbeat was. Yeah. First Corinthians chapter number 16. First Corinthians chapter number 16. God ain't building country clubs. He's trying to build a church to get out there and train soldiers and get them out there to win sinners. Sinners don't want to listen. They want to go to the casino. They want to have all the parties. They want to have all the fun. Health and wealth, prosperity. They want ear ticklers like Joe Olstein, Rick Warren. All the, let's just hold hands, sing Kumbaya. Yeah, okay. Well, big big whip. Hello. I ain't saving nobody. I ain't changing nobody's life. God called all men to repentance. Amen. Preachers don't even want to preach on repentance no more. God commandeth now that all men repent. Preachers don't even want to preach on repentance. Old-time Bible-believing, independent, so-called King James, now it's Greek boys, will not preach on repentance. Yeah. Amen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter number 16, verse 9, for a great door and effectual is open unto me. And there are what? Many adversaries. <laughs> There's a great door. But you know what? You might have to face hell by the acre. Hello? Yeah. By an inch it's a cinch, by a yard it's hard. Amen. You know what you need? Let's go on. Now if Timotheus come, you see that he may be with you without fear. For he worked for he worketh the work of the Lord. As I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me. For I look for him with the brethren. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desire him to come unto you with the brethren. With the brethren. Amen. But his will was not at all to come at this time. 
But he will come when he shall have a convenient time. Watch you. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren. Amen. You know the house is a faunus. That is the first fruits of Achaia. That they have addicted themselves to what? To the ministry of the saints. There's people that got addicted to working for God. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. To have an addiction there you go. to minister to God's people and to minister to people and tell them about Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be a blessing to have a whole church of Jesus addicts? Yeah. We're a bunch of Jesus junkies. <laughs> addicted to the ministry. Amen. You know what an addict is? They got to have something that's called a fix. Let me ask you a question. The word devotions. You know what that means? Addiction. Are you addicted to the book? Are you addicted to prayer? Are you addicted to singing? Are you addicted to ministering and telling others about Jesus? That's what we need. We need a bunch of addicts. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 16, watch this. And that ye submit yourselves to what? Unto such and to everyone that helpeth us and laboreth with us. Well, I'll tell you what. Isn't that a blessing? We need some addicts. Paul said, pray that God open up a door. And not only that, when God opens the door, guess what? There's a lot of adversaries, so I really need your prayers. Paul said in Ephesians 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Listen, there's adversaries everywhere. There's a spiritual war. Amen. And we need your power to be able to defeat the devil. And Paul said, guess what? It's going to get hot. It's going to get thick. And he said, having done all to stand, stand, that ye may be able to withstand in the day of evil. How, what was Paul doing? Paul saying, hey, there's a spiritual warfare going on. I need some help. I need somebody really to bomb heaven. I need somebody willing to lose some sleep. I need somebody who's willing to spend some time on their face and persevere, not give up, not let in. Just keep bombing the throne. Amen. Amen. That's what we need. I need it for all saints. Paul said, I need it for me, especially to open my mouth boldly and to make known the mystery of the gospel. Second Corinthians, Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Amen. <laughs> Second Thessalonians. Chapter number three. Verse one. Finally, brethren. It's about time you give this thing up. <laughs> Let us go to the house, preacher. Amen. Finally, brethren. Pray for us. That the word of the Lord may have free course. Boy, every preacher needs that. You know what that's called? Hold your place there and go to Second Second Corinthians. You know what that's called? Free course. Anybody have an idea? Huh? Free course. Watch this. Watch what he says. I just quoted this to you, verse 14, 2 Corinthians 3, 14. But their minds were blinded, for until the day remaineth the same veils untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veils upon their heart, nevertheless, when it, the heart, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Verse 17, watch it. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is you know what Paul's praying for? He said, I'm praying for liberty. 
I'm praying the Word of God have a free course. I need liberty when I preach. That Paul's saying, I need liberty when I preach. I need a free course. I need to be able to speak the Word of God without it being hindered. It needs to flow freely. I need no obstacles, no adversaries. People need to hear. You go to the average church, guess what happens? Every kid in the church is crying. The devil's over there pinching on them. Sometimes mamas pinch on them. Amen. Get them youngins to go and people getting up, walking out, talking, phones ringing, all kinds of stuff. Listen, I was preaching at a mission and a, and a dog starts barking at the side door right when I'm giving the invitation. And then an ambulance pulls up, starts doing that. And then men start fussing and cussing. And then there's scuffles and police sirens. and All kinds of things happen. I've seen so much adversity when I go to preach. I, some people woke me up one night and they brought a lady over named Donna and my friend Gary and his sister and all of them tried to wake me up, get over there and try to talk to Donna. And as I'm trying to talk to Donna, phones being knocked off, phones ringing, ashtrays being dumped over, all kinds of chaos beginning to ensue in the house. Why? Because I was trying to do something for God and the devil showed up and he didn't want to win that girl to God. Yeah. Amen. About 4.30 in the morning, Donna turned around in the chair I and mean, she knelt down, cried out to God and got born again. Amen. Under conviction, a bunch of drunks sitting around drinking and partying. They said, let's go talk to Cliff. He'll tell us about God. Amen. What a blessing. I'm glad they came. I'm glad they knocked on the door and willing to wake me up and say, hey, tell us about God. What do you think about him? What do we want to know? Am I going to heaven? Am I going to hell? They were concerned about their souls sitting around a saloon drinking. Donna got saved. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, I'm just trying to help you. We need liberty to be able to preach the word of God that it might flow and be without hindrance. We need opportunities. We need doors of opportunities opened up to us. Paul said, finally, brethren, that the word of the Lord may have free course, comma, and be glorified. See? He says in Psalm 138, verse 2, he magnified his word above all his name. He wants this thing honored in the preaching. (laughs) This needs to be glorified. And you want to talk about a way to glorify it is when you hear his son being preached and sinners rally around this thing and come and respond to the preached word and give their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and turn from their sin and the devil to God. Listen, how much glory can God get? Amen. Other than taking a converted sinner and placing him with a calling in his life to serve God. Amen. Verse 2. Not only pray that the word of God have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Verse 2. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. Boy, you talk about a statement. He's talking about religious men. Not just men out there in commerce. Not just men in the marketplaces. He's talking about religious people. They put on a fair show. Listen, Paul had more trouble from the Jews that were religious than he had from the Gentiles in the markets. Yeah. The Stoics and Epicureans and the men of Mars Hill said, let's hear what this babbler say. Some believed, some didn't. And he disputed openly with people. But the people that came and stirred up the people against him caused the most trouble were Jews, religious people. And they didn't have the faith. And they hated him. And they heard him until he said the magic word. Gentile. (laughs) And they shut him down. There's a bunch of people in pews. They'll come hear a preacher and he'll say one of their little buzzwords. 
and they shut them down. I tell you, you want a couple of Baptist Budworths? Amen. I tell you one, submit, separate, repent. Those are three magic words. You say them can't beat the man. You'll shut that thing down. Hello? You say skirt? They go crazy. They swing for the chandeliers. Hello? They, they, listen, you can preach. You can preach the Holy Bible and preach about great things from God. You say bullfight britches. Yeah, go preach. Go, go. They'll start jumping the pews. Hello? Some of them churches up there, you say, husband and one wife. Yeah, preacher. Yeah. And they'll start running the bases and throwing songbooks and going nuts. You mentioned divorce. Hello? They got certain little buzzwords. You know what I pray? God deliver me from that crowd. I don't want to be around that crowd. A bunch of knuckleheads don't know what they're talking about. Amen? You can't reason with them. Amen? I was in a camp meeting one night. I was so mad. Uh, I was ready to clean house. Holy Ghost came up to me about three minutes before I was to preach. He said, you going to preach me or you going to fight them? I said, I'm going to preach you. I took that argument that I had my whole heart was welled up with. I just threw it aside. I said, okay, Lord. I magnified him. All that was full. People were getting help. Amen. Listen, listen, that's what it's all about, ain't it? You know what I need delivered from? Wicked and unreasonable men. And I'm talking sometimes as Baptist preachers. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes the biggest enemy in a camp meeting is another Baptist preacher. Right. We've seen the Holy Ghost working in a tent. We've seen hundreds of people enjoying the Holy Ghost. Some knucklehead walks up there, grabs a microphone. What we need to do is we need to get to know the Holy Ghost and who the and next thing you know, he the Holy Ghost was there working, the Holy Ghost was there moving, and he had he was so blind he didn't know he was there. And the guy that was singing while the Holy Ghost was ministering, Amen. He looked at that guy. See, he just took his microphone, and preachers began to start walking out from under the tent. They they clamped up on that guy so quick. That preacher was singing. Him and his wife walked out under here. Preachers over there were just walking out of the tent. Amen. I mean, he killed the meeting. The Holy Ghost was there, and he grieved the Holy Ghost so bad. Why? Because he wanted to be recognized as some big old famous guy that knew something about the Holy Ghost. He, he was so blind, he, didn't even, he wasn't even aware that he was there, and he was moving and doing and working. And that, and that preacher that was singing and that preacher that got up tried to hinder it and the guy that was moderating and running the meeting <laughs> they had a powwow after church and they tried to get that thing sorted out God showed up and that guy messed it up he said who? a Baptist preacher listen we got, we got to be careful I'm afraid to get up and speak in meetings there's some people they always got to they got to say something in meetings they always got to get up and get a word they always got to say something I'm leery of all that I don't want to say nothing you understand what I'm saying? I just want to go in there. I don't want to grieve the Holy Ghost. I want the Holy Ghost to have free reign and liberty to work and do something. I sure don't want to be the one that turns the faucet off. I'm sure don't want to be the one that quenches the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you, it happens. Amen. And I've watched it done. I've seen it done. Listen, what are we praying for? God delivers from wicked and unreasonable men. For all men have not what? Faith. Amen. But the Lord is faithful. He shall establish you and keep you from evil. <laughs> Amen. What a blessing. 
We won't go any farther in this thing about Paul tonight. We've got other places. Paul has prayer requests. And Paul asked these churches to do stuff for him. And the main thing is that God would open a door of utterance. The Word of God had free course. The Word of God be glorified. He said, let's just point people to Christ. Let's point people to His Word. Let's get them to God while we still have an opportunity. He said, that's the bottom line. Amen. He said, for which cause I'm in bonds. Amen. Paul was willing to put his life on the line. He's willing to put his hide where his mouth was. He just wasn't just running his mouth. He practiced what he preached, and he said, don't be ashamed of me and my chain. Amen. Father, we do love you. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Thank you for Paul.